0: Hey guys, hope all is well. Today we will be doing podcast number 15 with former Georgia Tech men's basketball head coach Bobby Clemens. So coach, why don't you give us some background about yourself?
1: Oh boy, Lee, it's, uh, you know, I'm from the Bronx, New York. My parents were Irish immigrants and um, from Ireland and they landed in New York and they, they landed in the South Bronx in a apartment complex. And um, I was very fortunate. I've said this many times to many people. Uh, right across the street from that apartment complex was a was a schoolyard, and it had uh, it was a big schoolyard, very big. It had all kinds of sports, but the schoolyard also had a couple of basketball goals, and um, I gravitated towards those goals, and uh, my passion for the game of basketball began. Yeah. So when you
0: talk about your passion for basketball, like what was it like going through, like the recruiting process? Like when you were in high school, like wanting to play college basketball, like what was that like for you?
1: Well, uh, first, uh, uh, my grammar school had a basketball team. And I had to make my grammar school team, which I did. Had a great coach. Um, He was like a volunteer coach. He had that was not his full time job. It was at St. Anthony's. uh, grammar school in the South Bronx, and it still exists today. It's over there by the Hunts Point area. And um, from there, um, back then, Lee, the the Catholic high schools gave scholarships um, to to, uh, young men. Um, And so what they would do, they would have tryouts on Saturdays um, after their high school season was over. Um, and then they would invite young, young kids, uh, from the grammar schools, um, who had, who had pretty good reputations. They would invite them to, uh, come try out. And my, my grammar school coach told me all about it. His name was Jack Lyons. And so I went out, I tried out for, I believe three high school. I went to power Memorial and there was a guy by the name of Lou Alcinda. Now they, they, he didn't have to try out. He already had a scholarship, but he was in the gym, and he worked out with us when I tried out at Power. I tried out at Rice, and then I tried out at All Hollows High School. And I played very well, and they invited me back the next Saturday, All Hollows did. And I went back the second time and played well. And lo and behold, they offered me a scholarship. I couldn't believe it. I was actually headed to a public school. So that's how I got to a high school. Uh, that's how I got to O'Hallo's high school.
0: Yeah, that's that's awesome. And like, if you want to talk more further, like about like, like from high school to college, like being a division one basketball player, like if you can talk about that too.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I, I had some academic problems at O'Hallo's my junior year. And um, I had to repeat my junior year. Um, I almost was gonna transfer and go to another school, but they said if I'll come back and repeat. So I did that, and, um, and therefore my senior year, I had no eligibility left. And a scout a scout um, sent me to a prep school in Virginia for my fifth year in high school, um, Frederick Military Academy. And um, that was in Portsmouth, Virginia. <clears throat> And so um, I got a scholarship to Frederick Military Academy. And uh, we played against other prep schools. And Frank McGuire saw me play by accident. He was looking at a couple other players. And I had a great game. And um, he had never saw me or heard of me. And after the game, he came up and um, he offered me a scholarship to the University of South Carolina. And that was an amazing day in my life. And so that's how I got to play in college. Yeah, that's amazing how
0: you're able to play college basketball. And like, what was the experience like being a college basketball
1: player? It was great. I was playing for a great coach, a legendary coach. And um, the University of South Carolina was in the ACC at that time. And um, Columbia has great fans, great following. And Coach McGuire was brought in to build up a program, and he built a dynasty. Unfortunately, you know, he didn't win a national championship like he did at North Carolina, um, but he built a dynasty there, and just made he brought basketball to the to the South. Uh, I got to be careful. I should, he brought basketball to the state of South Carolina, and uh, everybody fell in love with him, and um, we were a powerhouse. Um, and like I said, unfortunately, we did not make a, a long run in the NCAA tournament. We were upset a couple of times. Um, and so, but it was great. It was great, um, you know, playing in a great conference. Uh, I played with two All-Americans, uh, John Roach, Tommy Owens. Um, we had great teams and it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. And I tried to continue to play after college. I tried to play professionally, uh, but eventually that door closed. And when that door closed, thank God the, the coaching door opened up. Yeah. So that's the
0: perfect transition into the next part of this podcast. Like let's talk about like the playing to coaching transition. So like, if you can talk about that more deeper would be greatly appreciated.
1: Well, I, I, uh, I got a break, uh, I had met this coach at a Davidson basketball camp by the name of Jerry Conboy. And he was a head coach of uh, Point Park College in Pittsburgh. And he called me up and he said, um, would I like to come up to Pittsburgh and coach the freshman team and be his assistant? And, um, you know, that was, my, that was my first entry. And it was a wonderful phone call. So I went up there for one year. And then Frank McGuire called me and brought me back to South Carolina as a graduate assistant. Uh, and then I became a full-time assistant my third year South Carolina. Yeah. That, that's
0: awesome. How, how you start, how you were able to start, like how you're able to get into the coaching business, like straight out of college, like from after playing and then like becoming the GA at South Carolina. So like, what, like, so, like, how did he get from, like, being, being gradu- graduate assistant in South Carolina to moving up as an assistant coach by the programs along, along with South
1: Carolina? Yeah, well, I was a graduate assistant, and, um, but I did a lot of recruiting. And then, and then um, there were two full-time assistants in front of me, Coach Donnie Walsh and Coach Ben Joe, two legendary uh, coaches and two legendary people. And then um, Coach Higuai, um decided to make me the third assistant my third year. And then what happened, Our um, tennis coach at the University of South Carolina had gone to Appalachian State. And his tennis coach became athletic director at Appalachian. And then he called me one day and said um, that uh, they're looking for a basketball coach. And he was a star tennis player at Appalachian for the, the, the new athletic director. And he recommended me at least get an interview. So um, Jim Jones, the former tennis coach, he gave me an interview. And lo and behold, I wound up getting a job. Yeah, it's like that. It's like now, like this part of the
0: podcast, I want to talk about that transition, like going from being an assistant coach to not being a head coach. Like, What was that like for you?
1: Well, it, it was it was maybe it was maybe quick too quick. It was you know I didn't think about it, Lee. Um, it just it all came together so quickly, and then all of a sudden I was offered the job. Um, what I loved about Appalachian was it was uh, Division One, and it was in the Southern Conference, <clears throat> and the Southern Conference had some very good teams. Um, probably the most dominant team back then was probably Furman and Davidson. And um, it, was a, it was a highly respected conference. At one time, believe it or not, uh, all the ACC teams were in the Southern Conference. And so the fact that it was Division I and all of a sudden I was offered the job, I was put in a position where it was very difficult to say no to. It was like an opportunity I couldn't pass up. So, um I probably, you know, jumped into the fire, not knowing everything. And I probably what they call, um, you know, learning on the job. But I loved it. What I had going for me, I had a lot of enthusiasm. I loved the game of basketball. I had some good experience from Point Park, one year at Point Park, and three years working for Coach McGuire. So I did have some experience. Um, But it's a different ball game when you become a head coach. And, uh, but you know, I didn't look at the, uh, the negative side. I was just, I appreciated the opportunity and I wanted to make the most of that opportunity. You said
0: that like, there were some things you had to learn on the fly. Like what were those things?
1: Well, you know, you know, when you move over and you become the head coach, you know, some, there's some things, you know, you think, you know, but you really don't. It's, it's a, it's a tough transition. And your life changes. And you know, whereas assistant coach, you're responsible for primarily recruiting. As a head coach, you're responsible for everything. And all of a sudden, your responsibilities—they just you know quadruple, ten times maybe. And you know, all of a sudden, you gotta you you gotta be making the calls. You gotta hire assistant coaches. You know, you're in charge of the team. You know, you're you're the responsible. Changes, um, and you got to be ready for that. And um, but like I said, what what got me through was my enthusiasm, and that's what got me through.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And like, what was your like years like at Appalachian? Appalachian State, and like if you can talk about that more further, like team
1: success and like, yeah, what was your well, experience like there? Well, what happened, Lee at Appalachian? Um, they they had not built um pete press maravich pete, pete maravich's dad he was retired and they asked him to come back and coach and it was it turned out to be a tougher transition than he thought it was going to be because he's a legendary coach and of course his son is a legendary player and so um they struggled they struggled there last year that what happened they were not division one they he was going through, he, he was taking them from division two, or excuse me, NAIA to division one. And, uh, you know, he was a little bit of a sacrificial lamb because when you take a school from, um, NAIA or division two to division one, you know, it usually takes three or four years to, to go through that transition. And so, um, I came in, uh, his third year, so they were only Division One for the third, uh, going into the fourth year, and uh, they had struggled. So um, we had to, uh, we we had to, you know, rebuild. We had to go out and get players. And um, what saved me, Lee, was uh, New York City. I went back to New York, and there was a scout for um, by the name of Tommy Kachowski, who uh, passed away recently. Uh, he worked for Howie Garfinkel, the great Howie Garfinkel, the, the, the number one scout of of basketball. And Howie also passed away. But I went up to New York and Tommy Kuchowski took me around New York. And um, next thing I know, I signed five New York kids. <laughs> and they did great for me. But one kid named Darrell Robinson. Um, he he. He's probably the greatest player ever to play at Appalachian to this day. Um, another kid by the name of Mel Hubbard. We got some New York kids, and, um, and they turned out to, to really, you know, be good players, and they had to play right away. And we got beat up a little bit the first year. Um, but these kids got better, and we started recruiting more kids. Uh, but I think the whole key was um, that first recruiting class. We had a couple of gyms in that class, and uh, out of five kids in New York, you know, two of them, or three of them started right away as freshmen. The other two played a lot, but, you know, I mentioned Daryl Robinson and Mel Hubbard. I had a junior, um, kid named Bobby Pace, and um, – they really, uh, they, they turned out, Daryl Robinson in particular, turned out to be a great basketball player. And Bill Hubbard was, a, he, he used to do a, he was a jumper in high school on the track team. And he turned out to be a great shot blocker. One of the best ever in the Southern Conference. So, you know, it came down to recruiting and I got very, very lucky in recruiting.
0: That's awesome how you were able to recruit in the New York area and like, now let's talk about going from Appalachian State to Georgia Tech. Like you were saying before with South Carolina, like going from the bottom up. And like, what was that like when you had to when you were
1: heading to Georgia Tech? Well, the big attraction about Georgia Tech was uh, they were in the ACC. Ironically, my alma mater left the ACC. And um, uh, several years after they left, the ACC only had 17 for a while. And then finally, they they invited Georgia Tech to come in to be the A-team. And so Georgia Tech was in the ACC. And, Lee, I I lost an ACC championship game as a player. That kind of haunted me. And I thought it would be kind of cool to um, to coach in a conference where I played and maybe someday win an ACC championship uh, as a coach that I lost as a player. So the big attraction for me with Georgia Tech was ACC basketball. That was a big attraction i did not know a lot about georgia tech i heard it was was a you know a highly highly regarded academic institution um atlanta i heard was a real progressive city uh uh uh, atlanta was one of the up-and-coming great cities in the country and so that intrigued me also and so um you know i I, uh, I wasn't sure I was going to get the job, but a few people turned it down, and I wound up getting the job. And, it, you know, I was the right guy at the right time. The timing was right for me. It came back to recruiting. The first thing I had to do was hire a great staff. Uh, I hired a, a George Felton, <clears throat> and George, uh, who works for the Spurs, San Antonio Spurs today, as a scout. Uh, for players, um, George was incredible, and then I hired Ben Job, Ben Job, who was, who had worked with me at South Carolina. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> and then what happened? Um, you know, George Felton hit the road with hard recruiting. We all did, and George found a kid by the name of Mark Price. I went back to New York and went to five star basketball camp and. Howie Garfinkel told me about a skinny kid named John Sally. And so we, um, um, our first true recruiting class, we brought in Mark Price and John Sally. And then we got a junior college kid by the name of Yvonne Joseph, the Haitian, Haitian sensation. And all of a sudden, uh, Mark Price was legitimate. He was the real deal. And all of a sudden, John Sally got a lot better. And all of a sudden, we had a basketball team. And uh, it went from there. We got our first All-American in Bruce Dariple out of New York City. He was at a prep school in Vermont. And uh, we started to build uh, the program. We were recruiting. And, um, and things got fun. And then in 1985, we won our first ACC championship uh, with Mark Price and John Sally when they were seniors.
0: That's awesome, like, how you're able to get get the ACC championship. And uh, and then, like, what were those, like, later years like, like, after 1985?
1: Well, we kept it going for a while. Uh, We were on a roll. We were hot. And um, we we, we felt we could recruit any kid in the country. We felt uh, uh, we had a program because of Mark and John and other players, Bruce. Uh, We felt like we could go anywhere in the country and um, the young man would at least listen to us. And so we kept it going for a while. And, of course, recruited some great players. Uh, Of course, 90 or Kenny Anderson, Dennis Scott, Brian Oliver, Travis Best, James Forrest, uh, Stephon Marbury, um, the, the Barry kids, Drew Barry, John Barry, Tommy Hammonds. Dwayne Farrell, I mean, I know I'm missing a few, and I apologize for that, uh, but, you know, we kept it going, and then um, I, I lacked some foresight, Lee, about kids turning pro, and then we started to slip, and um, once you start slipping, sometimes it's hard to uh, grab it and get it back going again, and I, I felt like, you know, we lost a little control of the program, I felt like uh, we had uh, I had new administration come in, and um, we were struggling, and it ju- I just felt it was time to um, to move on. I hated it. I didn't want. I didn't want. It. I wanted to stay at Georgia Tech the rest of my career, <clears throat> but uh, it was time to move on, and that happens. And so I was out of coaching for a while, and then I went back for six years at College of Charleston. And then I officially uh, retired. So um, it was a good run, a great run. I could have done more, but I could have done a lot less. So I feel very blessed. I've said this many times. Uh, my my major accomplishment is that my parents, they, they sacrificed so much so their children could live the American dream. And because of their sacrifice in the game of basketball, I have been able to live the American dream.
0: Yeah, like you were talking about the College of Charleston. Like, what were those years like being
1: there, and like the program success, like that stuff? Well, I sat out six years. I didn't intend to do that. So when I went back, I was a little nervous. Um, but again, I hired a really good staff. Uh, most of those guys, the now coach at James Madison, Mark Byington was my top assistant. He's the head coach of James Madison. Uh, Andrew Wilson, who played at Florida State. My nephew, Jonathan Cremins, they're all at James Madison. They just completed their first year, and Mark was coach of the year. So they're doing a great job up there. They were at Georgia Southern uh, previous. So, um, you know, I got a good staff, and, um, and we got lucky again in recruiting. We, we recruited a kid out of Atlanta by the name of Drew Godlock. He had one scholarship offer, and he turned out to be a great player. The Southern Conference was tough. I loved going back to the Southern Conference. Davidson had a freshman, incoming freshman by name of Stephen Curry. And um, he was something to coach against. Um, Wofford had a great pro- program. Mike Young is now the head coach of Virginia Tech. Um, there were several schools in the Southern Conference that were very good. Charleston is a magnificent city. It's a beautiful city. And it has a great following because of what John Crest did there. And so it it, it was a good job, a really good job. I had a lot of fun. Unfortunately, we didn't get to the NCAA tournament. We lost in the final three times. We had a a key injury uh, to our center, and we lost him for the season with 10 games to go. And that was going to be our great team. He had a blood clot in his arm from an old football injury. And um, that was a real setback. But, you know, we went to the third round of the NIT. We won the regular season Southern Conference Championship. And I just wish that um, we could have won that tournament and made a run in the NCAA tournament. That, that was our goal, number one goal. And we had the team to do that. Yeah, you, you also brought up Stephen Curry.
0: Like, what was it like coaching against him? And, like, what was the key heading into those games against
1: him? Well, I knew I knew about his father. His father played at Virginia Tech, but I didn't know anything about him. Like I said, I was out six years, and I got the job late. Um, I got the job like uh, in July at College of Charleston, and so when I was going through the Southern Conference with my staff, um, I said I heard they 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 signed a kid named um, Stephen Curry, and um, they said, yeah. I said Yeah, he was pretty good, and they said, oh, he's all right. Uh, but the first time I saw him, I knew he was special. He's special. He's a sleeper. And everybody missed, that, missed a boat on him, except for Bobby McKillop. And, um, and then, of course, his sophomore year, he really started to blossom. And then his junior year, he was incredible. And that's when he took off. I believe he left his junior year. But, um, it, you know, of all the players I coached coach against, you know, he's right up there. He is, he's probably, I would say, he's probably the greatest sleeper ever in the history of college basketball. You know, Jay Morant is not far behind him, but, you know, I'd have to do a little bit more research, but I really believe in my heart that uh, Curry is the greatest sleeper that has ever been in college basketball. And I'm so happy. We had some great games. Some of my biggest wins as a coach in in all my years was against Davidson and Curry. We had some great, great games. And I love watching him play. He is absolutely, totally amazing. And he seems like a great young man. I do not know him personally, but I love the way he handles himself.
0: Yeah, that's awesome how, like, your, some of your biggest wins were against him and, like, now seeing him be a superstar in the NBA. Like, so now for this next part of the podcast, we're going to go back to you. So, like, what was your coaching philosophy and, like, what were your standards <clears throat> of building a championship caliber team?
1: Well, my, my coaching philosophy was uh, basically, uh, you know, family. Um, you know, my, my players were an extension of my family. You know, I was a surrogate parent. And, um, you know, it was, it was a, a lot of it was like love and discipline. Um, but I always felt my team was an extension of my family. That was my number one premise. Yeah. And like, if you could talk
0: about too, like your standards of bit, like what were your standards like for building a team that was going to consist, like when you were at Georgia tech, for example, like winning, winning those ACC championships. Like what were the like what were well, the standards set for your team?
1: Well, you know, you know, you you know, everybody, all the coaches today talk about, you know, they talk about, um, you know, uh, being responsible. Uh, and they talk about, you know, unacceptable behavior. You know the things that you shouldn't be doing, and the things that you should be doing. Um, keeping your priorities in order. You know, you got academics, you got social life. Um, you know, then you got dedication to the game, being a great teammate. I mean, I could go on and on and on. It's hard, it's not easy. If it was easy, everybody would be great. And it comes comes back to recruiting, you know, if you could find the um, if you could find what I call the um, what do I usually call it? I call it the um, the, the, you know, it's, it's sort of like the um not the perfect kid, nobody's perfect. You don't want to say that. But um, you, know, you recruit a kid like Mark Price and um, you know, he's you know, very sound academically. You never have to worry about him academically. He meets all his responsibilities, it's very spiritual. And um, he's gonna give everything he has. Um, so I, I know what I, it's called a total package. So if you can recruit the total package to start with, then you're ahead of the posse. And uh, But, you you know, a lot of coaches, they, they look at kids and they see kids who are not the total package, they're half the package, but they want to give them a chance to, you know, maybe fulfill that other part of the package, give them an opportunity. And we all do that. We all do that. I've done that. And when it works out, it's it's magnificent. But sometimes it doesn't work out, and that's hard. That's really hard. So it's all part of the journey. It's all part of coaching, and um, you know, there's times you have got to be it's difficult. You got to be tough. You got to get rid of a kid. You got to tell them hit the road, and uh, and deal with the parents. And that's not easy to do, you know. After you had recruited the kid, you know, signed him. But all of a sudden, you know, something went wrong. So it's it's all part of the deal. There's a lot of highs and there's a lot of lows. There's a lot of good things, and unfortunately, there's some sad things. And um it's it's all part of the coaching world. Yeah, and also
0: like back to your Georgia Tech days, like what was it like when you heard that your name
1: was gonna be on the court? Well, that was a great honor. Yeah, they didn't have to do that. I, all I wanted, I asked them <clears throat> to let my, I wanted my name to hang in the banner next to my players. And some. And there was another coach by the name of Wack Hider. And I said, just put, you know, put my name up there with those guys. That's all you need to do. And then they surprised me and uh, named the court after me. And that was a great honor. I, I wasn't expecting that. Um, and, you know. But Georgia Tech has always been my baby. Even to this day, you know, anything I could do for Georgia Tech, I go to about three or four games a year. And um, I love their new athletic director, Todd Sansbury. And anything I could do to help them, you know, I, I'm always available. And, and uh, I enjoyed going back there.
0: What was it like seeing Georgia Tech win the ACC championship last season?
1: That was great. It was great. Um, uh, I I give Josh passion a lot of credit. He's had his back against the wall a couple of times. He's had some uh, unfortunate incidents that happened and he has, he has survived them and he has gone through them. Of course, winning solves a lot of problems, but I I really take my hat off to Josh uh, that he uh, came through and, 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 and won and had some great players. I mean, um, Alvarado, and Moses, right. Oh my gosh. Boy, were they fun to, to, to watch. And, um, and then, you know, it was unfortunate that Virginia had to, um, you know, not was not able to play in the semifinal game. But still, Georgia Tech had to beat a really, really good Florida State team. And they did. They did. And, um, unfortunately, you know, I went to Indianapolis. Moses got the COVID and could not play against Loyola of Chicago. And, um, and they, they beat us in the first round. I thought Josh had a team that could make a run. Alvarado was absolutely, totally incredible. So um, it was fun to see. Uh, Josh now has gotten over the hump. Um, he's building a, a very good program. I'm looking forward to seeing who he has. I usually go to a football game in the fall. And I stop by practice to see all the newcomers. I know he's got kids who are sitting out. I know he's got kids out of the portal. I know he's got new freshmen. I can't keep up with everybody. So I enjoy going to a football game on Saturday, what I'll do. I'll go up there Friday afternoon and I watch basketball practice. And I'll see, uh, he's got some, he's got about three kids who have played a lot last year. Of course, you know the guard from Florida, a lefty, who um, is, is should be all ACC this year, and so um, I look forward to seeing you know them practice and, and seeing what Josh has.
0: Yeah, we are, and we'll talk a little bit about Georgia Tech at the end of the podcast, but but first, like two years ago, we worked at we worked at the USBA camp. With Ryan Gertz and so, like, in the Bronx, so like, what was that like working, like, going back to your home city and, like, being with Ryan Gertz and myself, Mark Thompson? Like, what was that like for you?
1: Oh, I love going back to New York. I, I do not like what I hear about New York today uh, with all the crime and so forth. It's horrible. Uh, but I love going back to New York. I love going to the Bronx. Uh, I have not done it because of COVID, but what you alluded to when I went back a couple of years and did a clinic in the South Bronx, I've done clinics at St. Anthony's, my grammar school. And I love it. I love going back there. They're, they're my roots. They, you know, that's where I was from. That's where it all started for me. And so I, I, I want to see New York do well. Um, I believe we're going to have a new mayor and um, I just want to see New York be New York. I hear about a lot of people leaving New York. I hear about crime. I hear about people just they say it's, it's not fun to be living in New York, and I can't stand it. Uh, I used to love to get on a train, go downtown, walk around Central Park, Fifth, Fifth Avenue. My gosh, what a, what a thrill that is. So, you know, the world has changed, and um, I just hope and pray that you know, we could come back and, and New York particularly other cities. Chicago is going through hell. Atlanta's had some rough times, uh, I love Atlanta. Um, I'd like to see these cities um, find themselves and be the great city that they once were.
0: Yeah, and also like during, like talk about like during COVID-19, like what did you learn about the game of basketball and the coaching business during the COVID-19 pandemic?
1: Well, um, Lee, you know, I'm not in the trenches, so I cannot really answer that question the right way. Um, I just thought about the coaches. Uh, I I heard about things like, you know, they would practice for a week and then all of a sudden they had to take a week off. And I can tell you right now, something like that is a killer. It's a killer. Uh, I mentioned what happened to Moses, right? I can imagine Josh getting all excited to go into the NCAA tournament as ACC champions. And then his um, ACC player of the year gets COVID. And so I think all these coaches um, had some personal experience with COVID that we don't know about. And we cannot, you know, we can really not empathize. I cannot empathize with it because I'm not there. I'm not coaching. But I can tell you this. You know, I think we got through it. I was worried. I was really concerned that we were not going to have for the second year an NCAA tournament. And a year ago, two years ago, it was devastating not to have the NCAA tournament. You know, teams like Dayton, Dayton who was so good, they're going to make a run. And all these kids and all these great teams who missed the opportunity to play in the NCAA tournament. Of course, the other side – it's not the first side to me for sure. Is all the money that is lost to the to the universities to everybody. There are no Final Four, and all the money lost to the city. That Final Four is going to be in Atlanta. I was I was really looking forward to going to one of my favorite cities, Atlanta, and see the Final Four play there again. And so it was it was just incredible not to see a Final Four, and not to see an NCAA tournament. So, you know, you, you have to give, um, 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 what do you call, um, tremendous credit. I'll think of his name in a second. Um, he, he, you know, he, he pulled it off, and, um, and we had the tournament. We had the tournament. Do we have some bumps? Um, yes, we did. And I'm, uh, I'm thinking of Gavitt, um, Dave Gavitt's son. And... I just went I went blank. I can't think of uh, his first name. Um, but um, Gavitt Gavit came through for us and he pulled it off. I was in Minneapolis. Um, I went to see a Thursday I was there Thursday to see Appalachian State play. Uh, they were playing um, over Norfolk State and Norfolk State uh, beat him and the winner was going to play Gonzaga on Friday, and uh, I was looking forward to seeing, you know, excuse me, Saturday, I believe. Well, maybe, yeah, whatever. But I was hoping Appalachia would win and then play my good friend, Mark View. And then um, Friday, I went over to that game, that first game was in Bloomington, and then the second game was at Butler. And that's where I watched Georgia Tech lose to um, Loyola Chicago. So, so I, I, we pulled it off. We had a tournament. We had a Final Four. It was different without, uh, without the crowds. And then of course, you know, I just couldn't get over um, uh, what, you know, what Baylor did. I mean, the Final Four was fantastic. And um, what Baylor, the way Baylor played, the way they stepped up in that championship game was, was really something to watch. And then UCLA, what a story UCLA was. So um, it, it turned out to be just a, uh, a fantastic uh, final four. And um, I'm, I was so happy, so proud that we we're able to pull it off under incredibly tough conditions. And now now I'd like to see it open up, but unfortunately, you know we have another virus and it's still uh, unknown where we're going to go. Uh, football will have to go through it first. Uh, this season is right around the corner, and then we'll see uh, as we go into um, November. You know, we'll see where is where is this virus going to be in November, and what are we going to are we going to be able to have get back to normal, or are we still going to have um, these conditions? Where only so many people are allowed and testing continues. So um, so I'm not I'm not sure where it's all going.
0: Yeah, hopefully, hopefully it doesn't get too bad when it gets to the basketball season and we can start getting back to normal, like like it's been the summer. But <clears throat> if you can give us a preview too, to end off this podcast, like of Georgia of this upcoming season for Georgia Tech. Like I, really I, to...
1: yeah, Lee, I really can't. I can't because, like I said, I don't know who's, who, the, who, the, who they got out of the portal, who's sitting out. I know they got a couple of kids sitting out. But I think Georgia Tech is going to be good. I think, you know, they're here. I think they're here to stay. Um, I believe they got two or three starters back. and um, And Josh has done a fabulous job recruiting. But I don't know. I, I really don't know. I have no clue. Um, until I, until I go to a football game in the fall, and the day before go watch basketball practice. So um, then you know after I watch practice, that's when I start getting a feel, and then, then from there I start watching it, and then I get a really good feel. So I just I you know like like I said um, I think they have a, they, they're going to have a couple of kids who could be, could be on the first or second ACC team um you got the transfer from Southern cal um and of course you got um uh, michael uh, what's michael's last name the lefty from um from florida you got um michael devoe and so he's a heck of a play. heck of a play. and so the are pieces there um that they're going to have to i want to see he's going to play the center. You know you, you, Moses Moses had a great year, as, as it um, Moses Wright and, and Jose Alvarado, and obviously they, they're going to be two tough guys to replace. Yep, and, and like,
0: I, and I can't wait to watch Georgia, Georgia Tech play this season. And I think this year is going to be an, a great season. And hopefully, everything's back to normal for the season. As as I was saying before. And, but, but most importantly, thank you so much for taking your time to come, on, to come on this podcast. And thank you to everyone who will be watching this podcast later. And thank, thank you so much again for coming on.
1: You're welcome, Lee.